Before today's episode, I want to release a retraction. In a couple episodes back, the David Hooper episode, I had talked about Tim Ferriss possibly charging guests on his podcast. There's a pernicious rumor going around that he does. However, I was corrected by a friend of Tim Ferriss who asked him personally, no, he does not charge guests. So for anyone who heard this before, I apologize profusely and I hope that rumor will die. Structured. Today we have somebody who's a bit of a mystery to me, um, Stephen Davis. He reached out to me on Twitter. He actually had reached out to me in the past, but I didn't put it together who he was. And we went back and forth, and I checked out his show. His show is Pod Sound School, which blew my mind. I mean, the production quality is top notch, uh, way up there with um, any of the podcast producer- producers I've ever heard. So. Hands down, he is putting up the product that matches his message, which is incredible. But I don't know anything about the guy, which, of course, is <laughs> killing me because I do a lot of research, as everybody knows. And I almost had to bring him on the show just to find out his last name. So how are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, speaking of that, is it Steve or Steven? I like Steven now as a, you know, after I passed 30, I changed into Steven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all grown up and sophisticated. Yes. So now uh-huh. you are the creative director of H13 Radio. Yep. Uh-huh. H13 Radio. Uh-huh. Okay. That's right. Okay. And you're the producer and host of Pod Sound School. Yep. That's also correct. Now, in your bio that you actually have on your site, you worked in Hollywood for a bit? Yeah, I did. Uh, actually, as a as a teenager, I started working as an intern at a recording studio in Hollywood. And that's how I got my start as an audio engineer. And I worked there for almost three years at a recording studio in Hollywood. Teenager, you mean like 17, 18? Yeah, 17. Huh? You were supposed to be 18 to start there, but I, I snuck in as 17. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And then what happened? Well, from there, I, you know, the common scenario of a boy from Utah being eaten alive by the city. I came back to, uh, came back to Salt Lake City and I continued my aspiring dreams to be a rock star and then also audio production. Eventually found myself building my own studio. Um, I was able to, uh, get my own studio in Salt Lake and I recorded bands and hip hop artists for many years. And then in Salt Lake. Yeah. In Salt Lake city. Uh huh. It doesn't seem like the uh, metropolis for hip hop. I, I, you know, it's crazy. But the, the one thing I cornered the market in that, you know, I mean, there was, if you heard hip, if you, during that period of time, if there was hip hop music playing somewhere, chances are I recorded it <laughs> in Salt Lake. Yeah. In Salt Lake city. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, I'm still trying to get my head around that. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> There's, a, you know, I don't know where it comes from, but it's actually pretty thriving here, the hip hop community. Okay, and what about other types of music? I know, like Nashville, you think country, but there's a ton of rock. And yeah, I think mostly it was, you know, a lot of indie bands, um, a lot of bands, uh, indie music, rock music, things like that, and 
um, yeah, just did a lot of music production and that's just sort of a, a hard gig that's, you know, doesn't pay very well. And so I was always looking for ways to expand my abilities into doing something else. So then I got into film school and I was in film school for a while and then got into doing post-production for film and television projects here locally in Salt Lake, uh, sound sweetening and post-production editing and uh, did that for a long time. And I'm still very interested in that. And then just kind of as a whim, I decided to do a podcast with my brother because I, I had the equipment and the know-how with audio to do it. And, um, and then I did a podcast with my mother and that, just blew me away. I was like, it was almost like falling into a pothole or something. I, mm. I didn't expect to get into podcasting, but getting into it, I just fell in love with it. And so what is it that you like about it? Because you've got a range, obviously. What is it specifically that draws you in? Um, I think what really draws me in is how open it is to virtually any imaginable form of expression. You know, whether it's like role playing, game playing, round table, or audio dramas, audio dramas are some of my favorites, or, you know, interview based podcasts like yourself, um, uh, just any, any passion that anybody has, they have an avenue that they can express it. And I think that that is something that's just insanely fascinating to me. Um, and I, I just, I really like that. I really like open expression. Um, and I think that with technology becoming cheaper the way it is and everything that it's almost like a, an independent artist's kind of revolution or something in a way, just that people can now find their little niche audiences or niche audiences, however you say that. And, um, <laughs> and they can thrive, you know, they can find their people, you know, among all the noise in the world. And it's really fascinating. Now you're, Main other podcast is uh, Sandra Marie or Story of Sandra Marie, something like that. Yeah, uh-huh, the story of Sandra Marie. And that's kind of a bit of oral history. Yeah, that was um, a very highly personal story about my mother, and her name is Sandra Marie. And she's been talking with me for many years about wanting to make a movie about her story. And uh, she also has been struggling with trying to write a book, trying to finish her book. So I kind of thought I'd light a fire under her butt and (laughs) see, you know, see if she wanted to, I don't know, actually it was my wife's idea. She's you should make a podcast about your mom. But when I was telling her some of my mom's stories and it was just a way to kind of, you know, she's getting older and I wanted to just capture her story while she's still fresh. And she has a really nice, soft, welcoming voice. So it was a, it was a fun way. And also the story is highly focused around my father who was very abusive toward her. Mm. And uh, so it was a way after his passing to kind of close the doors on some of that. And uh, yeah, it was very highly personal, sort of wearing our hearts on our sleeves, putting it out there. But that is ultimately what inspired me to get going with the pod sound school is because I couldn't believe the warm welcome that we got from podcasters. It was insane. Like, um, and you know, you mentioned, I hit you up on Twitter. I was doing that to try to shamelessly self promote my, my mother's podcast. And the, I mean, I've made some really good friendships and it's incredible. I feel closer to some of these people that I met than I do to like, you know, some of my family members. And because of that, and because I can see a need for the audio production. That's why I was like, I'm going to do, I'd like to have a way I could give back to the podcast community. And I think that all of my years as an audio engineer, the pod sound school came to fruition. (laughs) 
Well, you're doing amazing stuff. Now, have you been following some of the other podcasts on podcasting that are out there? Uh, not quite. I mean, we, we're just so preoccupied right now with, we kind of bit off a lot more we could chew with content that we're trying to pr- produce. So we're just now starting to get into looking at our competition and, and things like that. Um, Look, I, I hate to think of it as competition because I, I will tell you just offhand personally, I was at a podcast movement 2018 mm-hmm. and I watched Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting. Yeah. Okay. He inducted into the hall of fame. Do you know who read him in? No. Daniel J. Lewis of the Audacity to Podcast, technically uh, a competitor. Oh, but yeah. Not, all these guys, they're not really competing, and they get together, and they do like the podcast roundtable. So I think you'll find that there's so much room for people who have their own viewpoint that you'll probably be embraced versus – um, versus looked at like a competitor. I think it's yeah, very different than the, the, like the music world and things like that. Yeah, that's and you know that's a, that's what I'm saying. There's such a warm welcome the the community of people that are just it's it's all about helping each other grow more than it is trying to get one over on the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Sure, we're trying to grow the whole pie. It, it, it's a, there's an abundance of mentality versus a um, scarcity mentality. Yeah, uh huh. And it's not perfect. You know, obviously there are, everybody has egos. And mm-hmm. always, you know, a degree of competition. We're all trying to get more people to listen. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's easier to get more people to listen if you're all talking together. And then, hey, you know, if you like this, you should check this out. If you like mm-hmm. And then we start to fill the whole day because we want to get people to listen to podcasts, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just me, but just podcasts as a whole. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, the quicker that happens, the more people hear about that, and then they may discover you. So the first one may not, but the four people they talk to may wind up discovering you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, so I haven't really looked into it um, as far as who's doing podcasts on podcasting quite yet. That's that's coming, though. I don't know if you have any suggestions. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the hits are Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting. Daniel J. Lewis is on a hiatus right now. Hmm. There's one I just discovered and I've kind of been binging on, um, Build a Big Co- Podcast by David Hooper. He just released a book. Hadn't heard of him before. guess he's hmm. been around forever, but that's another thing. There's a lot of people who have been around forever and you just discover them all the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. You had no idea they were there the whole time. <laughs> There's 700,000 podcasts. I mean, yeah. I'm allowed to miss a couple, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but he does a good job and they're all really, really short. So you could binge the heck out of it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, I like that a lot too. And that's something that I think we just, I'd really like to see happen too, is I just want to, I have this feeling that people have these ideas to express and the, these passions. And I just think, and that's, that's sort of our motto that, that my wife and I came up with is your best ideas deserve the best audio. Hmm. Like if, if it's a showcase for your your passions and, and for what you're interested in, even if it's just sitting around and talking about something you're passionate with, with your friends, it's still it's a showcase for that. And you never really know who's listening. That was something that I was just so blown away by with the Sandra Marie story. We were even approached by CAA, uh, the creative artist agency. Nice. And, yeah. And they wanted to get our, get a hold of our um, TV rights for it. And so we've mm-hmm. been talking with them about that and it's just insane. And then, you know, the Sandra Marie 
made it up on the new noteworthy for like a week. <laughs> um, and now, did that do anything for you? Because there's been controversy whether that's effective or not. Well, the only way I even know that it did anything is because I was hit up by CAA and, um, and then also because iTunes just came out with their analytics finally. So with the analytics, it was obvious that it did something because we went from having 20 devices a day. They, they say devices, um, you know, and so we went from having about 20 devices to having 2,000. Yes, uh, that's an effect. Yeah. You know. Did it drop off after that? Week? Yeah, and then right after they took us off, almost immediately it dropped off. But now I'm not doing anything to promote it, and it's still hovering around 50, 60 devices every day. And it's just okay, – So it's still doubled. It dropped, yeah. It blew up and then fell back, but still it, doubled. It yeah. blew up and it doubled. And I think the reason they took it off there is because it's – you know, they, they tell you when you submit – something when you try to get something on new and noteworthy that it needs to you need to continue releasing episodes or they'll take you off <laughs> you're full of shit because <laughs> if you go to new and noteworthy i can point out shows that have been pod faded for two years and yeah. they're sitting there and so, they're still sitting there yeah it's it's, it's kind of irritating actually it's very irritating <laughs> and it's very hard to understand and i don't even think i don't know if it's algor algorithms or what it is but you know it's just i don't know between that and bangladesh chart gaming <laughs> um, it is, it, it's insane. Yeah, it's really crazy. And that's why I think it's not necessarily something that people should seek or try very hard to, to, to achieve at first. Um, you know, and I don't even know if it, like you said, I don't think you even have to be new or noteworthy. You just have to, uh, kind of hit it at the right yeah. time. Yeah. And, um, the person needs to like the show. Mm -hmm. um, I, recall, I, I think your show kind of hits a, a message right now with me too and everything. Yeah. Helped, you know, message wise it pop in there. Yeah. And right before it, um, there was a, and now I forget the name of it, but there was another very popular show about conversion therapy. Okay. And it, it, yeah. And the show also hits on conversion therapy under the LDS. LDS church. Yeah. And so I think that with the lesbian thing, with the women power, me, me too movement is like, yeah, this is, a, let's put this, put this one through. People will listen to this one. So yeah, that had something it's to do with the message that Apple will get behind. Mm -hmm. On that note is you're in Salt Lake and I've been to Salt Lake, but I didn't really, you know, get deep in it. I will criticize your city for one thing though. <laughs> okay. If you name your roads directions, it wreaks havoc on the brain. <laughs> so when I have to go west on Northwest, I'm going bonkers. <laughs> and I don't know how you can get around without a GPS or native knowledge. Because when I went out there, I was like, this is insane. <laughs> I'm driving on North Street and I'm getting directions to go north and north. And I, it hurt my head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just a big square grid, and you know, I don't I don't even know why I'm here. I've been try. I, I need to get out, you know. But it's uh, and the winters are just so brutal and disgusting here too, you know. But, well, I was wondering if that because of your mom's story, if if there is a lingering thing, if the you know the church's influence in the city, if it was completely comfortable for you. That was actually, you know, that was something that was almost a little bit exciting for me in a way too, was, was that, uh, it's, I would be lying if I said I didn't have almost a resentment for the church and with my own experience growing up in the church. And so for me, it was a way of kind of sticking it to them a little bit, you know what I mean? I, I mean, just to be perfectly transparent with that, you know? And so I, I wasn't afraid of anybody, you know, finding out that it was me or anything like that, or, 
or causing controversy. In fact, I kind of intentionally tried to hit up some social media groups that were Mormons to try to cause stir up that controversy a little bit. Well, fortunately, they're not a group who's known for, um, you know, acting violently on people who oppose them. Yes. Yes. So that's nice. <laughs> that is a, that is a, a benefit in, yeah. in creating the controversy. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to get, you can be upset about the church teachings. It's hard to be against the people themselves who tend to be very kind and loving. Yeah, really, re- really super nice people. Um, especially, I would say the women of the church too are incredibly caring and nice. And, and, you know, and I have a lot of friends that are Mormons and everything else too. So it's more of the institution. It's more of the, uh, the, the old guys that are, that are still running the, running the joint are, you know, they, uh, um, have things backwards and the Spencer W. Kimball's who designed these institutions of, uh, conversion therapy and who are so openly hateful, uh, and in spreading their hatred toward homosexuals. It's just, um, that I, I like shouting at that, that I like making, you know, a note of like, look at these guys. They really, what, what's their problem? <laughs> you know, but it's, I mean, I'm no expert, but I think it's just a baseline factor of reproduction and that principle. Yeah, yeah, probably. I and mean, it, it's hard to grow the church. Now, I, ironically, um, somebody pointed out to me, and I never thought about it, but there's a higher percentage of homosexuals in uh, repressive countries. That's interesting. It's like the more you repress it, the more it, it flourishes. Well, of course, because people have to, you know, get married even though they don't want to. And they mm-hmm. couple. so the more open it is, guess what? Less children. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it actually is going to be a smaller population. Just it's a, it's a weird, you know, give and take, but the more repressive, then the more it actually, uh, Gross. Yeah. And that, you know, that's something I think a lot of people might find surprising is that Salt Lake City is one of the big gay homosexual spots in the country. You know, there, if, if you want a nice city to live in, um, that's understanding and open to homosexual, Salt safe. Lake City is a great place. Yeah. It's safe and very thriving community here. So maybe the repression here helped that to grow too. I don't know. Well, it's weird though, because it's, it's a quiet, um, repression. I mean, like I said, <laughs> I don't think you're really known for gays being beat up or, you know, it's like you may be looked at askance, Uh but it's not, I mean, Mormons are nice people. Yeah, they're nice. (laughs) I think that what what they're known for is uh, a lot of teen suicides and stuff, Uh, an alarming amount of teen suicides because the, their parents will disown them when they decide they want to go through a sex uh, uh, you know, change their sex or when they um, decide to tell their parents that they're attracted to the same sex, they get disowned from their family completely. They don't have a support system. And there's actually an alarming rate of teen suicides based because of homosexuality, I guess. So, um, well, crazy. So, so is there a thriving subversive community then? Kind of like the non-Mormons and therefore it's kind of big. Yeah. uh, And it's been like that since the time I was very young here. I think that um, it's always the majority, the the government and the the political institutions are all ran by the church. But the people, the majority of the people actually are non-LDS. I I don't know what the percentage would be, but I would say it's probably closer to like 60, 70% non-LDS. Okay. 
That's interesting. I, that, I don't, you don't always know, you know, you've got the image of something from the outside. Yeah. From the outside. And actually the, the other thing you find is that a lot of the non LDS, they call themselves recovering Mormons. Uh, some of them, uh, they are, they are almost like me in the way that they are very opposed to the religion. They're like almost the, the opposite. They're anti Mormons because of, they had it stuffed down their throat as a kid. So now as an adult, they, when they sure. venture away from the church. So you see a lot of that, and it, it wasn't until I actually moved away and lived in Los Angeles for a few years. I was in in L.A. all in all for about six years that I met non-Utah Mormons. And that's when I, I really softened to the religion because I was like, oh, yeah, these people are really nice. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> well, isn't a lot of the uh, Mormon population, too, in the rural areas or like, you know, northern Arizona, southern Utah or northern Utah, southern Idaho? Yeah. Uh-huh. And in uh, the smaller the community, these little suburbs, you get a different version of the religion, too. You get like fundamentalism, you know, right. where it's not really the, the teachings of the church. It's this kind of scary version of the church, you know, but it gets distilled and refined. Yes. <laughs> All right. So it's pivoting back. Yes. I yes. I wanted to travel down that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you, you haven't followed the podcasts about podcasting that much. Are you a podcast fan in general though? Yes, I'm a big podcast fan, and like I mentioned, especially of um, audio dramas are are probably my favorites, because I think that just comes from my background of production. I like a lot of production, a lot of, yeah, Foley, music, sound effects, actors, voice actors, um, and stories, Uh, and I like that old-timey radio. I'm very attracted to that as well, so to sort of, you know, the way it was before television and stuff, so it's a fun way to kind of be able to time travel back to those times. Um, yeah. And so I'm a huge fan of that. And then I also just, I really like comedy podcasts too. I like interview podcasts, especially it seems like now that I've been podcasting, I don't have time to listen anymore. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of strange, but one thing I really appreciate, and this goes away from the podcasting a little bit, but your episodes have some amazing animation. Mm, yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> now, who, who does that? Is that your wife? Yeah, no, that's me. I do the animation too. And then, really? yeah, and we actually, the, the puppets are designed by um, a man named Jairo in, where is he at? Uh, off of Fiverr. He did the puppets for me. In really? Yeah, in Character Animator. Um, I want to say Peru, Ecuador. He's he's a really funny guy though. Uh, and he, he did the puppets and he looks forward to making a new puppet anytime. And anyway, that those puppets work with inside of character animator Adobe. And so it makes it, you can use facial recognition and audio recognition. So it makes the process a lot faster. So do you um, just do a screen grab? Like right now we're recording we were looking at each other, even uh-huh. though nobody else can see. Uh-huh. I know that you've, you're tied in with Squadcast like I am a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're using to record your interview? And- yeah, so I record Squadcast to do the interviews, and then I just uh, I actually act out the puppets of. Oh, so, both sides? Yeah, so um, oh. you know, and if Squadcast Squadcast doesn't support video right now, if they when they do support video, I could do a screen grab of our interview here, and then you know, like turn you into a puppet if I were interviewing you. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, so I just, after I have edited the, the episode, then I will 
have the voice recognition and that makes their mouth move to the way they're talking. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then I just kind of move around and, and automate their hand movements and things. And, and then I just, just using the Adobe software and that, that just kind of comes from my time in video production too. I, I'm always looking to use the Adobe products cause I just have a lot of fun using them. So that what you're doing there is really awesome though. I'm like, you should get together with a uh, Donna Barrow green, former guest. She does a diarist hmm. or, or somebody and and like do a comedy production <laughs> a comedy like, production I, with animation guess, yeah why not <laughs> yeah that'd be great i would love to do that i mean yeah. it sounds like you've got it down you can you know get the guy to design the dolls and then literally act it out uh-huh. um, that would be an interesting yeah it'd be really interesting and we um part of it came from i don't i don't know if you've heard of amy woods and her content repurposing. She's a, a really cool lady from uh, Manchester, England. And I just mm-hmm. inter- interviewed her and that's uh, her business is content 10 X, I believe. And it's all about how you can reach b- a bigger audience, how you can get a bigger audience by repurposing your content. Um, and a lot of people will sort of overlook that. And so that's her, how she helps businesses and things like that. But she has a podcast too, and then she repurposes it into a blog. And so Hmm. listening, listening to her as we were developing our show, we decided we would just come out of the gate with our content already repurposed. So we would strong. I mean, (laughs) I want to share with everybody. So they understand how extreme this was. Um, (laughs) Mid March, all of a sudden your show drops. There's like, I'd say eight videos. Eight episodes, fully produced everything, blog articles, completely written. So you didn't just come out with um, a, a bunch of episodes or anything. You had a fully fleshed out website, blog, YouTube, everything in one shot, which uh, is quite remarkable. Yeah, that's what we were trying to do. And we're also, you know, it's kind of intimidating when we started developing the project because you're sort of raising the bar for yourself when you call yourself the pod sound school, because you're teaching people how to podcast better. Well, then you probably better be a damn good podcast yourself. (laughs) You know, if, you know, I wouldn't want, it's like, you know, I wouldn't want somebody, you know, teaching me how to play sports that doesn't know how to play sports. You know what I mean? So we, uh, true. Even though I will push back on that a little bit. If you look at half the coaches in the NFL, they couldn't run. Mm. There, there is an argument. Some people are better coaches than they are athletes. Or oh yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I didn't yeah, think always. about it like that. That's a good point. Yeah, and I think that everybody needs a little coaching and stuff too. And so, I, it, then that also goes into. I'm sure you've heard of the podcast. Don't keep your day job. Yes. Because uh, and I wish I could remember her name. I'm I'm really. She's a musician. Yeah. Uh, she she's jingles. Yeah, she writes jingles and music jingles, and her music's in, incorporated in that too. And I that sort of what inspired the Pod Sound School as well was her podcast. I was listening to her podcast a lot at the time, and there was a How to Start a Podcast Network episode, and it was mm. talking about how this it was the woman who did um grammar girl and she got a book deal out of it and everything else and she was just talking about the reason she made grammar girl is because she was a grammar uh nerd an an english major and she had something that she was really good at that she wanted to share and that's how it started i was like well i'm an audio engineer i'm i'm a pro tools nerd i love audio equipment i love mixing and editing like i can i can help people get their podcast sounding way better I'm just going to make a podcast about podcasting (laughs) and about the sound quality of podcasting specifically, since I know how to do that. 
So, a podcast engineering school. You mean. A podcast engineering school. Yes. Uh huh. Because they do, you know, deep sound, deep dive stuff that you probably nerd out on. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's you know, and it's it's uh if. It, on the surface, you wouldn't think there's that much that goes into it. It's like, I need a microphone, I need a interface, and I need a laptop computer. But there's a lot more that goes into it than that, you know, um, to actually achieve professional quality audio is very tricky. <laughs> and it you can't really yeah. just Google about it. It takes kind of sometimes can take somebody to show you how to do it. I think it's better to have a soft touch mm-hmm. because what will happen is you hit a bunch of plugins and then all of a sudden, everybody's a robot. You're like, ooh, it's overly <laughs> compressed, and it sounds great. Yeah. And it's like, no, they don't sound human. Please <laughs> yeah. stop. Yeah, and they want that They want that DJ voice at first, so you get really close to the microphone, do the Howard Stern thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's the other thing, too, is there's a lot that goes into that. Like, the, I remember when I first started podcasting, it's like, how do you find your radio voice, your, your podcast persona? And, you know, and you kind of want to over-articulate and... Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here, you know. And, uh, True, and it's kind of a matter of try to just talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I do believe in proximity on the mic because if I if I sit back here, then I have to project to you, how are you today? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get tired doing this all day. <laughs> yeah. If I get up on the mic a little bit, yeah. I can talk, and I can actually hold a conversation for mm-hmm. a while and not not be dying. Yeah. And I think that's why he does it too. Yeah. And I think specifically on the seven B and the RE 20 that they're just like built in for that proximity effect. They sound so good when you get up nice and close on them. Yeah. It's a sweet. Yes. Uh, oh, by the way, this is a SM seven B I'm speaking into. Uh-huh. Um, Steven, of course he came and threw down, he's got a, a Neumann, <laughs> but his room is obviously sound treated unlike <laughs> mine. So he can do that. His Mike is something you would use for an audio book or really, really high quality because it picks up every register. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it picks up a lot of frequencies. So, and you, and like you mentioned, you have to use it inside of a sound controlled room or you get in trouble <laughs> quickly. Yeah, quickly. Most condenser mics are going to work like that too. You'll have too much like noise. Like the Yeti. Like the Yeti. <laughs> Don't get a Yeti. Don't get Just, a Yeti. Trust me. The Yeti is so controversial. There's so many people that hate it and so many people that love it. It's a really fun. If you're on Reddit, you can get into some fights really quickly. <laughs> the Yeti's problem is not the microphone is fine for what it is. It's misused. Mm-hmm. It's way misused. If, mm-hmm. if you're going to record in a closet, you can use a Yeti. If you have a soundproof room, you can use a Yeti. But if you have a soundproof room, you're probably going to want to get a cat. Yeah. Uh huh, or something like something with more juice to it. The other thing that I think that people don't realize about these USB microphones is it's just it has the interface built into it. So I think yeah. I think I think I compare it to like your iPhone. I think I mentioned that in one of our episodes too. Is it's like the camera on your iPhone? Your iPhone costs, I guess, nowadays close to a thousand dollars. But how much of that thousand dollars goes towards the camera in your phone? 30. You know. Yeah, and it's the same with the Blue Yeti. They have the the capsule and the the electronics for the microphone themselves, and then they put a preamp in there, which is just a little chip. And then on top of that, they throw an audio interface that does your analog to digital conversion all inside of the microphone. It's just that that just doesn't sound good, <laughs> you know. True, but if you are on a budget, getting into it, if you can get a dynamic microphone 
I highly recommend the ATR2100 or the uh, Samsung either Q2U or 2QU because I can never remember the order. <laughs> it's got a 2 uh, and a Q in it. <laughs> exactly. And a U. Um, those microphones, for what they are, sound about 60, per, 60 to 70% as good as the one I have here. Yeah, I, I think I would argue that too. It's actually pretty impressive what they've been able to do with the engineering on those things. And yeah, if you're on a budget, you can get going. If you already have a laptop computer, you can get going for $80. I think or the the $2,160, I think maybe. Something like that. The uh, Q2U is a little cheaper. It's like $60, $65, and it has the uh, the tripod and the co- cable for it. So mm-hmm. it gives you a little kit as well. So yeah. Yeah. Even the foam windscreen, that's like five bucks. So yeah, all those little things add up to make it a great little starter kit. Yeah, it's perfect starter kit. And then you, and then there's lots of free um, DAWs or software available that you can use. Um, Audacity or GarageBand, or I just found out Pro Tools was free. They have the Pro Tools first. So now I'm going nuts on that. Um, I was just, it used to be $50 for Pro Tools first. Now it's free, so... Um, is that on Mac too, or is it... The, it can be on Mac or PC. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so we're going to be... I'm going to be trying to put out some uh, tutorials for that because I really want to encourage people to get on Pro Tools first versus some of the other ones. Like Logic, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Logic, yeah, Logic, you know, I don't know. I have Logic Pro. Um, I, I have to have all of them because I want to know how they all work, but... Have you tried Hindenburg? I haven't tried Hindenburg. Um, I've heard really good things about it. Okay. Um, See, I have them all, and then I wind up on Audacity. You just wind up on it. You, maybe you just like the workflow and Audacity. Well, it, I don't have time. It's a matter of like, there's a learning curve with any of these. Yeah. You take the time to get there. It's like, I know how to do it in Audacity now. Uh-huh. Okay, boom, 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 dum, 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 Okay, moving on. Yeah, that's the problem is is the time. And Pro Tools is the most, probably the most time-consuming of all of them to learn how it works. It's like Photoshop. There's, it, you have to learn a different language, basically, to get efficient at it and to make learning, to make using it worth it. And um, then you're fast. And then it's you're fast. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Training and training, and then you get fast at it. And then you'll be way faster than you are at Audacity if you go oh, through sure. that. You know, and the, the main purpose for me when it comes to Pro Tools it, versus the other ones is crossfading. Um, is that the, in the other free ones, there's no legitimate, nice, fast way to crossfade. So when you're cutting, when you want to cut out your breaths or you want to cut out a little bit of your sta- stammering or stag, um, you went on a tangent yeah. for too long. Yeah. Or yeah, you want to cut out what I just did. <laughs> um, the audacity will squeeze it together automatically and sort of reform the waveform in its own magic way. I'm not even sure what it does per se. And it's actually pretty impressive what it does. And then GarageBand, you, you actually have to like set up an additional track. Um, mm. But when you, it wasn't until now Pro Tools first, you can, you can really have n- these nice crossfading features. Um, uh, the, and then, you know, it, it, it takes like Logic Pro or Adobe Audition or other things like that to get up to the, such nice crossfading features. I'm just a big crossfading guy and a big, right. a well, big. You're doing uh, something where you're really mixing in elements in and out. Um, I'm doing an interview show. Yeah, so, uh-huh. you know, exactly. And so it has to do. I'm doing news clips or something to come in. I don't foresee the uh, necessity. Yeah, the necessity for a lot of, of that. And that's. That's the thing. There's so many different styles of shows. You know, there's so many different ways of doing it. 
Um, there's a hundred ways to bake a cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> True. Hmm. Well, and on that note to, uh, I guess, take this one out the oven. <laughs> what do we have coming up next? Okay. So coming up next, we've got season two coming out, but season two is not going to come out all at once. Like season one did. It's just going to come out when I think we're going to do two episodes a week for season two, just to get it all out. Wow. Uh, season two is another one for beginners where we just go through in the, with the assumption that people are brand new to podcasting. And mm-hmm. so it's going to cover a lot more audio stuff, compression, EQ, mixing, editing, stuff like that. Um, and then it's also really going to dive deep into planning and structure. And my wife, she's uh, actually taking a course right now from a voice actor. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife's from Columbia and, and I wanted to Im- involve her in the show. She's never podcasted or she mm-hmm. even has microphone anxiety. <laughs> And so she's taking a course from a voice actor and we're documenting the thing all about how to get comfortable behind a microphone, find your confidence behind a microphone and uh, find your podcast persona, you know? So there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. And there's also going to be marketing, promotion, finding your audience. And we have some cool interviews. Have you thought about bilingualing? Yeah. And we thought about bilingualing a lot. That's probably going to come later, especially on the YouTube. I think we're going to uh, bilingual and uh, try to teach, teach Spanish speakers how to podcast as well. Uh-huh. You should. I mean, no, that's huge. Yeah. And it, it's, you know how some of the Spanish countries are usually a few years behind us as far as their technological advancements. So podcasting is now really starting to erupt in South America and Spotify. It's mm-hmm. All throughout Latin America, mm-hmm. definitely a just giant market. Mm-hmm. And my wife is from Columbia, so it works out perfectly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, perfect. Now, everybody can find you at podsoundschool.com, right? Yes, podsoundschool.com is a perfect place because there's links to everywhere else. And then you could also podsoundschool.com search YouTube. Just type in podsoundschool.com and you'll find our videos there as well. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe, people. Yeah, you got to subscribe. You know, it's easy to forget. But yeah, we'll help you. We'll help your show get better. And we'll help you get started for sure. That's our main purpose is just to help people take their show to the next level or get their get started faster and all in one place without having to spend a tremendous amount of time Googling. (laughs) True. That that can be extremely useful. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, too. I really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Brett Allen, and I am the host of the Open Mic Podcast, where no topic is off limits. Here at the Open Mic, we talk to many different people. We talk to celebrities, entrepreneurs, psychics, celebrities, and everything in between. I would like to encourage you to listen and subscribe. You can learn more about the show at theopenmicpodcast.net. Again, thank you so much. Until next time, cheers and be well.
Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our vision of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. 